and welcome to another edition of the State Bar of Michigan's On Balance podcast on Legal Talk Network. I'm Molly Rands. And I'm Joanne Hathaway. We're very pleased to have Stacey Sampak and Anthony Sala join us today as our podcast guests. Stacey Sampak currently serves as Director, Assistant General Counsel at 3M, where she manages litigation matters and a team of in-house e-discovery professionals for the company. Since 2020, she has chaired the Legal Affairs Workplace Inclusion, Satisfaction, and Energy Committee, whose mission is centered on prioritizing well-being. Stacy is also a founding member of the Mind Budget Connection, a volunteer group of attorneys and professionals in the legal community focused on addressing burnout in the e-discovery industry. Anthony Sala currently serves as a partner in the litigation department of Barnes & Thornburg, a national business law firm with more than 800 attorneys throughout the U.S., Anthony focuses on representing clients in complex commercial litigation matters. Since 2022, he has also served as a member of the State Bar of Michigan's Lawyers and Judges Assistance Committee. Stacy and Anthony, would you share some more information about yourselves with our listeners, please? And Stacy, let's start with you. Great. Thank you so much, Joanne. First of all, thank you both. Molly and Joanne for the opportunity to have a conversation today about well-being in the legal profession. As a bit of background, additional background, I've spent my entire legal career in litigation, primarily in the healthcare, commercial, labor and employment, and product liability space. I started with a regional law firm in Dallas and was there for a little over five years before going in-house about 14 years ago. I joined an advanced wound care company, and then in 2019, I joined 3M as part of its in-house litigation team. And for those who may not know, 3M is a global company with about 90,000 employees, which was significantly larger than my um, first in-house opportunity. And on a personal note, I live and work in San Antonio, Texas, and live with my husband and two children. In addition to spending time with them to maintain my own well-being, I enjoy running, traveling, and pretty much anything that involves the outdoors. And then finally, as a bit of housekeeping, I'd note that I'm not here speaking on behalf of 3M. Thank you. Anthony, to you. Thanks, Stacy, Joanne, and Molly. Uh, thank you very much for uh, having me on today. As a bit of additional background, I've spent my entire legal career in litigation, working now at two law firms. I worked at my first law firm in Cleveland, Ohio, for about five years as an associate before moving with my family to Michigan and joining Barnes & Thornburg, first as an associate and now as a partner in the litigation group. I live and work in Grand Rapids, Michigan with my wife and three children. During my tenure uh, at my last firm and now this firm, I've had the privilege of serving in both mentee and mentor roles with other lawyers and been able to sit on various internal committees at my firms that are intended to help promote law firm culture. So the wellness discussion has been something that's been important to me since shortly after becoming a lawyer. And I've also had the privilege of working with and knowing Stacy for about 10 years now. 
Thank you both so much for being here today. Stacy. let's start with you. What about working as in-house legal counsel or at a larger firm? Do you find that's unique to balancing wellness and practice management in this profession? Well, one of the reasons for me being in-house is so rewarding is the ability to partner directly with business and corporate leaders As in-house counsel, you're so close to the action, and that is a really unique perspective that I personally did not have when I was with a law firm. You know, when you are in-house, your clients' challenges are your challenges. So the same thing that makes that connectivity so fun can come with its own unique challenges. I'd say one of the things that I hear a lot in talking to my peers in-house is one of the challenges is there's just so much coming towards you. There's so many voices. When you're in-house, you may work with a variety of different internal stakeholders, particularly when you work for a large organization. So balancing and prioritizing the needs of all of them can be challenging some days. There are times where you feel like all the plates are spinning and maybe starting to wobble a bit. And I think for me, the best advice that I can give is to prioritize what you believe is the most important in that moment. And also understand looking back, um, as you often do in time to understand why did I focus on this project versus this. But when you do look back, make sure that you keep in mind that you were trying to make the best decision at that moment. And I think that's been really helpful to me. Another unique challenge I think about being in-house is that being in a company creates an environment sometimes that can can challenge your well-being in ways that you wouldn't naturally think about, at least not at first. For instance, the high number of meetings, the large number of meetings that you might have in a given day. I know many in-house lawyers who simply struggle with their own well-being because they don't feel like they have enough time to get the work done that they need to do in a given day. And that is not really surprising if you looked at their calendars because they really don't have any time. They haven't built that time in. And so they end up working late or on weekends to get their work done because that's simply the only time that they have. So while the number of meetings increased during the pandemic, and I think in a lot of effort to remain connected. I think that it's really imperative not only for yourself, but for organizations to try to create space for lawyers to work and think, creating focus time. We have, with our WISE committee that was mentioned in the opening, created internal meeting guidelines. And some teams have no meeting Fridays. And those types of initiatives, I think, can be really helpful at a larger organizational perspective to help create that time and space for the legal professionals in the organization to to do their best work. So those are just a few of the things that come to my mind. Anthony, have you had any particular experiences working on your legal teams that drove you to care about wellness in the legal field? Yes, I certainly have. Starting my career at, uh, I suppose, what you would call a larger law firm, I learned quickly traditional norms of our, our, our legal profession. And that really includes long hours, oftentimes high-pressure work, 
as a as a young associate, I felt personally at a, a bigger law firm, you're striving for perfection, but making mistakes anyway, which can often be frustrating. You're dealing with both internal and external clients. Your internal clients are the partners that you work for. Your external clients are the firm clients. And you're trying to gain credibility as a young lawyer by always saying yes. And me personally, I, I, you know, fortunately or unfortunately, I oftentimes did say yes when maybe I shouldn't have to, to doing more work. There's just a natural desire among lawyers at, at firms to try and differentiate themselves and, and build their reputation. And when you combine all those things, it can lead to situations like we are today where we're, we're having discussions about wellness and mental health in the legal profession. Two to three years into my career at my former firm, we were going through some significant growth. And to help facilitate integration of new younger lawyers, we had an associate development committee at my firm that I had the privilege of serving on. It was about seven or eight associates whose focus was really to promote a positive working culture at the firm, more designed towards younger lawyers, and to facilitate integration. We did that by advocating for firm initiatives that you you might hear about oftentimes today with firms, extended parental leave, civic engagement, associate events, giving associates leadership positions at the firm that traditionally you might not give an, an associate or a younger lawyer. And we involved firm management directly in those discussions. And the firm wanted to leverage our own committee to attract other lawyers to help foster the growth. And so when I think back about it now, this was in 2014, 2015, it was really wellness before wellness. I I don't know that we actually ever used the term wellness when we were meeting with our committee, but we were trying to promote it without really knowing it. And so as I look back again on it now, I found that it worked. While there were some hurdles, the greatest benefit I found was bringing associates like myself into the management room, into the discussion of how the firm is going to operate. And that gave me a sense of this is my firm too, right? It's not just a a partner's firm, it's an associate's firm too. And I have a say in how the culture is is going to go at, at the firm. And so that is one example of something that I found in my career that really early on drove me to start thinking about this topic a lot more as my career progressed. And when I arrived at Barnes and Thornburg, thankfully, those structures were already in place. There were wellness initiatives. Uh, Barnes and Thornburg had already been a member of the ABA Wellness Pledge. So thankfully, those things were in place, but it's not institutional everywhere. That was important for me early on in my career to Uh, have those discussions about wellness. It sounds like that really promoted inclusion, Anthony. So thank you so much for sharing. Let's give this question to you again, Anthony. And Stacey, please feel free to jump in if you have anything to add here. But what role do you see law firms and in-house legal counsel playing to improve wellness and mental health for the overall profession? Thanks, Molly. And Stacy and I have actually talked about this issue as well. I think to answer, it's important to understand, at least from my personal perspective, why you might think the legal profession can be so stressful and have uh, such a history of, of mental health and wellness issues. You know, as I mentioned before, you have both internal and external clients. And the key driver 
in my experience for a firm, is delivering for your clients. There are lots of big law firms and there are many great lawyers out there. And law firms, I've found, try to differentiate themselves by results, the speed at which they deliver those results, and cost. And so there can be tremendous pressure on a relationship attorney, for example, to deliver for their business clients. That, in turn, drives pressure downward to associates to help deliver for the client. So I think that is where, at least for me, traditionally, a lot of the wellness discussion stems from at law firms. So to me, I think clients, external clients, whether it be individuals, big companies, they can really be the driver of the wellness discussion. And I think that they have been. And you're seeing that in the last couple of years. I think it's crucial for external clients to take a leadership role in the wellness discussion, even as it relates to a firm's internal culture. Wellness is important. And I think we're all here today because we know that. But for me, if it's important to clients, then I think firms are really going to prioritize it. And then I think everyone else in the legal ecosystem will prioritize it. And that's legal vendors, expert witnesses. You know, for firms and in-house teams, it can range from bigger initiatives. You know, we've all heard about instituting formal wellness programs, parental leave policies, providing career coaches for in-house and other attorneys at law firms to even smaller initiatives. And so I think you're finding that associates are starting to ask for these things as they come out of law school. But again, I think that the client really needs to be the driver of this discussion. Another example that, that I've thought about is oftentimes when a firm might be solicited for work by a client, they'll do so through a request for a proposal or an RFP. One criterion that clients could include in those requests for proposals to law firms to do work is that the firm describe its own internal wellness initiatives. I'm pretty sure that there's not a firm out there that will want to leave that question blank. And so, you know, I think wellness is always going to be part of the, the discussion in the legal profession just because of the way it is structured. And so some of these things that we talk about, about wellness initiatives at firms and companies, to me, are meant to counterbalance what is traditionally can be so difficult about the practice of law. But if there are synergies between the law firm and the client regarding attorney wellness with, with the client driving it, then I think that can really benefit the legal profession overall. Yeah, Anthony, I'll jump in here. I fully agree with everything that you said and do believe as well that the clients really have a crucial role, a crucial leadership role here to play, to set good examples. And as you spoke to, insist on a commitment to wellness from their firms. You know, we are partners in that relationship. And so we want both sides, the firms and the people who are in them, as well as the people who are in-house counsel like myself, to prioritize their own well-being. For external firms and external, the attorneys and professionals in them, we are paying for their ideas and for their, their thoughtful advice. And so it is a benefit to us to have people who have prioritized their well-being. And one other thing I would add to your comments as far as a way to help create a positive wellness impact on both sides, it's 
really interesting. I recently saw a survey that talked about one of the biggest stressors for law firm attorneys is the billable hour. Not surprising. I felt that stress myself (laughs) being at a law firm. And, you know, what's interesting is there's a lot of huge benefits to in-house counsel with alternative fee arrangements. I'm a big proponent of those. And so when I think about the benefits that I receive from an AFA in terms of certainty and understanding of expectations early on, on the flip side, the law firm and the attorneys in them have the benefit of not being tied to that billable hour, which has been such a stressor for them. So I think that's a great example where wellness can be a benefit, not only just for the individual, but for the broader organization on both sides. These are such great suggestions. And before we hear more from Stacey Sampak and Anthony Sala, we are going to take a short break from our conversation to thank our sponsors. Filing court documents, serving legal papers, collecting electronic signatures, all critical parts of the litigation process, yet ones that are time-consuming and error-prone. But what if you could do more straight from your case or document management software? InfoTrack automates data entry, document selection, tracking, and information syncing across all these core tasks and more by integrating with your core systems like Clio, Smokeball, Leap, MyCase, and others. Spend more time on substantive legal work and less time on busy work. Learn how simple it can be at infotrack.com simple. Welcome back. We're thrilled to be here today with Stacey Sampak and Anthony Sala discussing lawyer well-being in big law. Stacy, let's start with you on this. What recent wellness initiatives have you found impactful on a broader scale for those in the legal field? Well, as part of that well-being committee that I spoke about earlier and some other groups I'm involved with, I would say I agree with a lot of the comments Anthony has said that thankfully we as a legal profession are more focused on this wellness topic and there's a lot of people thinking about how we can have a broader scale impact for those in our field. I know there's great groups, state bar assistance groups, as well as the ABA and and many others that are thinking about how do we equip people in this profession to really thrive? How do we develop practical tools, structural solutions that can help address the problem, not just solutions focused on addressing the symptoms of the problem? You know, what tools can really get to the heart of the issue. And so those are things that I I like to spend time thinking about as part of the groups. I mentioned earlier those meeting guidelines as as an example. Anthony's talked about a lot of the um, great initiatives as well. The other group that was mentioned at the beginning that I'm a part of is called the Mind Budget Connection. And this is a volunteer group that was formed to examine the connection between contractual relationships and mental health in the e-discovery space. Christine Payne, Amy Sellers, Kevin Brady, Chad Riley, Logan Cornett, Mary Caustic, those are just a few of the names of the folks that are involved in that initiative. They're ranging from law firm, attorneys, and legal professionals, vendors, in-house teams. And that team really said, you know, budget constraints can often 
result in folks being forced to do more with less. So how can we work to develop relationship models that improve mental health outcomes in this space? And so last year, we conducted a wellness survey to analyze the rate of burnout and stress in this e-discovery field, which exists in this larger you know, legal profession field. And we've collected information and working on presenting some concrete solutions, hopefully, for e-discovery professionals to utilize. So I think there are initiatives out there and there are groups out there beyond even in an in-house environment or a law firm that people are working collaboratively together to try to get to some solutions. As Anthony said, this is really an ecosystem. And so we can't just look inward and try to fix only what we think of as within our walls. But one thing I would say, because I, I feel like I've, I've talked a little bit about kind of the broader initiatives, and I know that's really what the question is about, but we all know that it can also be the little things that make a big difference in our own personal well-being. And so I really try to myself and encourage others to think about how their interactions impact others' well-being and to be thoughtful in that, not only in the in the way of just being respectful, but little things. You know, an example I've used before is at the beginning of a new re- working relationship, I had an attorney ask me if I minded emails at night. He said he found that he was more productive at night, worked late, but he recognized that receiving an email late at night might f- make me feel compelled to respond. And so just having that conversation really demonstrated to me that, you know, this individual was thinking about me and how that might impact my work-life balance. So that was just, you know, really a, a tremendous moment for me. And I, and I gained a lot of respect for that attorney. I also do believe in the importance of prioritizing your own well-being, but I, I feel like putting all the expectation on the employee is not getting at the heart of the issue. You know, the focus should be on creating an environment where employees thrive, not pushing employees towards self-help tools to manage their negative experience that they've had in that work environment. And it's not maybe a great analogy, but something that comes to mind as we're about to enter summer here in Texas is I think about it as you know, pushing people out into the hot Texas sun without sunscreen, but promising them aloe vera for if they get burned. You know, that's, it's great to have the aloe vera and that's, that can be helpful, but having the sunscreen would have been helpful or even better having a broad, you know, tent that they could be outside under and not subject themselves to that hot Texas sun. So that's sort of how I think about the tools. You know, what can we do to create that safe space for us to really do our best work in? I love that analogy, Stacey. I couldn't agree more. Anthony, how important is it to emphasize attorney wellness as you take on more managerial type responsibilities on your legal teams? I think it's extremely important. I found you won't always succeed, but modeling good behavior is important and it's it's going to build trust among your teams. As I found as a, a lawyer that has worked as a, an associate and now partner, you know, as I've I've generated my own clients, 
you can very easily start to slip into the, the mentality of, I had to work long hours and I had to work on the weekend when I was an associate, so you do too. I consistently have to remind myself to resist that temptation. And I think lawyers should similarly do the same as they progress in their career. That is really going to just further facilitate the issue of the problems that we face with attorney wellness. And I think that that is starting to happen because I also think that firms are starting to see that wellness in the legal profession doesn't just mean that you work less. Those are not the same thing. Lawyers should know as before they go to law school and if they go into the legal profession, it is a profession where you will work long hours at times. And there can be stresses as there can be in any job. There are wins and there are losses in litigation. You are going to deal with difficult personalities at times. That is the nature of practicing law. But as Stacy has really talked about a lot of the initiatives that she has going on with the Mind Budget Connection and and some of the other things that we've talked about, the principles that I think and the things that we put in place about wellness are meant to counterbalance those things. And so I do really think it's important to stay away from the mentality of this is how it was done before. So this is how you have to do it. It shouldn't be that way just because I have clients now and I didn't before. The other thing that I think is important as I begin to work with young lawyers is approaching those on my team with their capacity to take on more work in mind. The traditional norm was the client asked for it, we deliver it as fast as we can. But you can't always expect now a younger lawyer at a law firm to willingly turn down work if they're too busy. Lots of lawyers will still just say yes, even though they may not have the capacity to do the work. And that can be an issue. As I mentioned before, I think there's just a natural tendency to always say yes. And so I think it's important as a a lawyer now, as I delegate work to others, to be transparent about what is expected from the client, but also gain a full understanding of what that lawyer already has on their plate. Because again, you can't always ask your star lawyers to do more with less, because that is not a good mix. And, And eventually, you will, the client may suffer because of that. The other thing that I think is important is giving lawyers at law firms or in-house an ownership or a role with the direction of the firm. As I talked about with the Associate Development Committee I sat on, giving younger lawyers a role in the culture discussion at the firm, whether it be through associate committees, pro bono committees, and then having more senior leadership at the firm buy into that will really be important. You're going to allow lawyers to survey their peers, port upstream to firm management, how they think the firm culture among younger lawyers is proceeding. That is similarly going to increase your retention. You're going to have lawyers that aren't going to want to leave the firm because they've helped build a positive culture at the firm that they're at. So those are just a few things that I think is important to emphasize attorney wellness as a lawyer progresses in their career. Great information. Well, as we wrap up today, starting with Stacy and then hearing from you, Anthony, what are some tips for attorneys and other legal professionals just starting out in the industry to help prioritize the professional's individual well-being? I think I would start by saying 
as been mentioned here today, that it is really encouraging that there is a greater recognition of well-being challenges in our community now in 2023. The fact that there are surveys being done, podcasts like this one, you know, the profession is really recognizing the importance of their work. So I think that's a really positive thing for those who are are new to our industry and our field. The flip side, of course, is that there is and always will be work to be done in this space. And from an in-house perspective, you know, a recent survey found that still a vast majority of people say that the legal profession has had a negative impact on their mental health over time and they feel exhausted and overwhelmed. So I do think, as I've mentioned before, it's important for new legal professionals and attorneys to help prioritize their own well-being. For me, some tips I would say is first and foremost, learn to recognize signs in your own life that can help you tune into where you are in your own well-being from a physical standpoint, mental standpoint, spiritual, all of those aspects. For me, when my exercise routine, my sleeping habits, my eating habits start changing, that's kind of a first sign. That and when friends and family start commenting, that is something else that I encourage you to listen to. It's very easy to push, especially friends and family aside. I was fortunate myself to um, one time when I was really pushing myself too hard. I had an awesome manager who gave me the permission essentially to focus a little bit more on, on myself for that moment, which was just really a wonderful experience. So recognize what you have going on in your own life, be attuned to that. And I fully agree with Anthony's recommendation about not immediately saying yes to everything. That is very difficult to do for a lot of us, especially when you're starting out. But that is one way that you can help really make sure that you are able to get to all of the commitments that you've made. And at the end of the day, it's a benefit to not only you, but your client and your coworkers when you aren't overwhelmed by the amount of things that you've said yes to. And then finally, I would say, give yourself some grace and, and permission to take a break when needed to step away, whether that's 10 minutes outside or, you know, for an extra day on the weekend, you know, you don't always have to power through. And for me, that's important to hear. So, you know, that would be one of my my closing tips, but also to extend that same grace and understanding to your coworkers and your peers, your law firm clients, your vendors, anyone that you interact with in the field. I really agree a lot with what Stacy said. You know, taking ownership over your own wellness is really important because as a lawyer going into looking for a place to work, you're certainly going to want to find a place to work that emphasizes what Stacy has talked about and what we've talked about here, asking questions to see if there are wellness programs in place. Are there institutional wellness initiatives? Is it something that the company or the firm focuses on and prioritizes? These are questions that lawyers could be asking in their first interview or their first few interviews. But again, what Stacy said, I think is really important is also taking ownership over your own wellness. You know, if at times, if I prioritized my own wellness early on in my career, as, as much as I did prioritizing the work I had to do, 
you know, perhaps, you know, I, I could have learned lessons earlier then that took me some time. And so, again, staying engaged for, for me, staying engaged in networking with others in my firm, staying engaged in the community, physical activity. These are things that I would say prioritizing your own personal wellness. And then combined with that, finding a place to work that prioritizes it also. Great information. Well, it does look like we've come to the end of our show. We'd like to thank our guest today, Stacey Sampak and Anthony Sala, for a wonderful program. Stacey and Anthony, if our guests would like to follow up with you, what is the best way for them to do so? Sure. I am on LinkedIn, so feel free to reach out to me there, and my contact information is listed and happy to engage or discuss any of these topics. And I'm also on LinkedIn. And also, if you go to uh, the Barnes and Thornburg website, you will be able to navigate to my bio and my email is on my bio. Thank you again so much for being here with us today. This was an excellent conversation. This has been another edition of the State Bar of Michigan's On Balance podcast. I'm Joanne Hathaway. And I'm Molly Rands. Until next time, thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to the State Bar of Michigan On Balance podcast. Brought to you by the State Bar of Michigan and produced by the broadcast professionals at Legal Talk Network. If you'd like more information about today's show, please visit LegalTalkNetwork.com. Subscribe via Apple Podcasts and RSS. Find the State Bar of Michigan and Legal Talk Network on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Or download Legal Talk Network's free app in Google Play and iTunes. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by Legal Talk Network or the State Bar of Michigan or their respective officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer.